Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. I'm Erin. That's Ange. Hi. That's Char. Hello. You can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com where you can sign up for our monthly e-news. For behind-the-scenes videos and two-minute clips of our interviews, head to our YouTube channel and subscribe. You can find us every other Thursday morning at 9.30 a.m. at bff.fm. And if you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the love of God, do it. It really helps. Welcome back to CamFest 2021. We are sitting down with the director of the documentary Ricochet, Chihiro Wimbush. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, I'm delighted to be here with you. So can you introduce Ricochet to our audience? Yes, so Ricochet is a film that I made with the former San Francisco public defender, Jeff Adachi. And it's basically about the rather infamous incident at Pier 14 in San Francisco, where an undocumented immigrant named Jose Inez Garcia Zarate accidentally shot a young woman named Kate Steinling. And this incident basically was blown up to be a big um, media and political firestorm that was essentially driven by Trump, uh, then candidate Trump, and which he wrote all the way to the White House. And so the story of the film follows the trial that actually happened two years after the incident, but also tracks sort of all the impact uh, around it and all the messages that came from it, from the media, from politics, and how this was like a fundamentally misunderstood case um, once one understands like the evidence versus actually the narratives and false narratives that came out of it. Yeah, there's a, a lot of anger, <laughs> a lot of anger to be felt um, while watching this film. And I, I definitely want to get into the story, but I wanted to start off by saying, you know, we're, we're based in the Bay, uh, Bitch Talk is, and, um, you know, you, you were handed this film to finish after, you know, the un- untimely death of Jeff Adachi, who it, his death really rocked the city. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a champion for so many causes, obviously immigration, you know, against huge corporations. And and um, I, I would just like to know just sort of your emotional trajectory in, in working on his final film and, and what it meant for you. Oh, that's a really powerful question. Um, and yeah, part of it, I should preface it by saying that we had a, a relationship that spanned three films. And so I began working with him on, I guess, what now is sort of an informal trilogy of films about the criminal mm. injustice system through the eyes of the public defender's office. And so we did a short film called The Ride in 2016 is when we started it. And it became a feature length film called Defender. And he had this vision of doing this whole series actually about different cases and examining everything from Black Lives Matter to our immigration debate. And so we'd worked together for, I guess, almost like four or five years, four and a half years, I think, together at the time of his passing. And and so it was like even a longer journey than this film. And this film was sort of the culmination of it. But we had this working relationship over quite a long time. And so when he suddenly past. I mean, I was like everyone in a state of shock about it. Um, I didn't touch the film for several months. It didn't seem like the right thing to do at the time. We're all kind of processing it, grieving it, um, family, friends, co-workers. Um, so when I finally felt ready and it felt ready to um, approach everyone again about the film, 
it was with like a lot of kind of deep consideration, deep uh, emotional processing as well, um, but also recognizing that in the political moment that we're in now, that it was really important for this film to come out. It's what Jeff would have wanted as a way to not just honor his legacy, though that's really a big part of it as public defender and filmmaker, but also just seeing even with a, a new president in office, these narratives and these issues have not changed in the slightest, the immigration debate mm-hmm. um, and the issues we're facing around what's truth and what are lies and media and in politics are going on just as strong as ever. And so um, I felt like I owed it to him and I also owed it to the messages of the film, which I hope um, can kind of, if nothing else, remind us into what happened four years ago, how Trump came to power, mm-hmm. and that we can use those lessons now to, um, you know, think about the messages we're getting and hopefully collectively make better choices. Yeah. <laughs> um, this film, there's so many layers to it. There's so many different stories to tell from it. Um, I do want to ask because there are points in the film where you do have B-roll conversations um, from Kate's family, but were you ever able to have a one-on-one with them, even if you weren't able to add it to the film? Have they seen the film? Yeah, I know Jeff reached out to both the Steinle family, as well as actually to the DA's office, to George Gascon, who at that time was the DA mm. in San Francisco, now in LA. Um, and uh, I don't know the ins and outs of how those communications actually happened or what the actual verbatim discussion sounded like, but I know he was turned down by by both the family and uh, the DA. And, you know, I guess on one level, I can understand it when it's coming from the public defender's office, one might imagine that from their perspective that there might be a, um, you know, specific angle to it that that might not feel fair to them. Um, and so I know that he did make the effort though. And, and when I edited the film uh, after he passed, I, I tried to be really conscious about how this family was portrayed because it isn't a black and white, um, you know, it's not as simple as saying, well, you know, they did this terrible thing or um, simply that they were victims either. It's just so much more complex. And at the beginning, I think you can't get away from the fact that these are people who lost their daughter, who lost their sister and that human story. I don't know what that feels like. I can imagine what that would feel like. And so there's a really human element I didn't want to lose in portraying just the devastation that someone must feel when you go out and walk on a pier on a beautiful day and, and, and lose someone close to you. At the same time, they, um, you know, were a little bit co-opted by the right-wing media and made certain choices mm-hmm. um, backing a bill called Kate's Law that was going to be highly punitive to people um, trying to come back into the country. And, and those are choices that they made. And so how to get those nuances. And, and I hope I was successful. I mean, I tried my best to, um, to really show also that as time went on, they had more nuance and understanding to mm-hmm. what was happening to them, that they separated themselves from Trump and, and kind of resented what he was doing and using her name for his platform. So I thought that was actually one of the hardest things to do as an editor on this film was mm. to show just a multifaceted um, uh, way that this family thought and operated. And they weren't even all necessarily exactly on the same page. Like the son had a slightly different take than the father. And so um, how to get all those in, um, 
I did my best to try to be balanced, um, but also to be honest and truthful. No, I think you did a great job. I, I completely empathize with them and understood mm-hmm. because it's it's an arc. You know, it's easy to have insight from standing outside of of this tornado, you know, that they're in the middle of. But I, I think you did a great job with that because I, I was along on, on the emotional journey with them, too. Um, and I, I think, you. yeah, uh, um, I, I think, like you said, it's it's so layered. You know, there's it's just everyone's a victim in this story, you know, and and everyone has a hand in it from the justice system to politicians to the media. Uh, and and as you said, like nothing much has changed. Um, so do you think there can be change in, in the system, in the world we live in as is, or, or do we just need to burn everything down first? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good question. I mean, I look at just what's happening even in the Republican Party and how it seems to be imploding on itself, yes. <laughs> um, with the exception of a handful of voices who are willing to speak out. And I think, um, you know, though obviously I disagree with uh, all of them politically, uh, the fact that there are a handful of voices willing to um, kind of challenge that now, whether or not that can be um, countered within our current political and media landscape, it's a really good question. I think right now the way that our messaging is so um, isolated and containered where people kind of just hear the facts they want to hear. And so everyone goes in their Fox media bubble or whatever media bubble it is, and they're basically kind of fed the information they want to hear rather than what the actual truth is. I think that's the part that makes me most nervous and and why I really wanted to highlight the role the media played in this film too, and not just Fox News, but CNN, a lot of mainstream media that can take a narrative and spin it. And all of a sudden that becomes a narrative of a reality. And in this case, it was around a specific trial, but we see it now around the insurrection at the Capitol. Yep. Um, around so many issues where things get spun and and ways that are almost like, you know, I, I don't know, 1984 ish or mm-hmm. in, in some kind of very surreal way where you see a huge swath of the population buying false narratives. And so maybe that's where it begins is in the messaging that we get, because I feel like the message comes and then we follow sort of the politics or vote for who we vote for. Um, and so do we need to burn everything to the ground? I mean, I, I would say, I would say I'm kind of in a, a wait and see mode. I mean, I hope that, you know, films like this and other message. I mean, this film's like a tiny part of the the counter narrative that would have to happen. But I think if we can be reminded into sort of questioning the the messages that we get, and um, and if everyone can kind of use a little bit more of their own rationality, maybe. Um, because it happens on both sides. I mean, I'm certainly a progressive person, but I do see it. I used to work in community radio, actually. And so uh, that was my background before as a documentary filmmaker. And, um, and you know, I loved so many of my brethren there, but I could definitely see how um, people can get siloed there just mm-hmm. as easily as on the right. And so I think if all of us are willing to just step out of the easy narratives that are easy for us on all sides to take and actually try to unpack things a little bit deeper. And I think that's where, uh, you know, podcasts like you're doing, films and documentaries, um, we all have a role to play in just kind of having more dialogue and less monologue and trying mm-hmm. to listen to each other and, and really investigate 
like, what's the truth here beyond the first message that I get? And should I, should I believe it mm. and accept it? Or should I actually question it for myself? Yeah. Or should we all just be like Matt Gonzalez? So um, <laughs> Ange and I have different uh, Matt Gonzalez adjacent histories with him. And we're actually going to have him on the show um, tomorrow to talk about oh, this film as, as well. But um, he's kind of your main character uh, in this film. Can you talk about him and his political legacy? <laughs> yeah. That, that I mean, kind of winds up in the film. It's funny, right? This film is this interesting cross-section of San Francisco personalities. I mean, you have yep. Dave Eggers yes. and Matt. Yes, yes, You get a little cameo from George Gascon and Gavin Newsom. And, and just seeing kind of like where they intersect in that moment of time and where they've all gone to since then is also interesting. And Kimberly um, Gil- Guilfoyle. I saw that. Right. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, you oh, oh. A very deliberate Inclusion I loved it. Yes. Sure, Thank you. You know, we if noticed. you know, then <laughs> if you know, like, you know, you know, <laughs> you know. Yeah. it's like interesting literal bedfellows, I guess, exactly. in politics. Um, Matt, I, I mean, I remember voting for him for mayor back in that election and being just a huge fan of, of what he stood for um, even back then. Uh, and so it's really interesting to kind of work with him on this film because I only kind of knew him as a distant person that I admired and voted for. Um, and same with Jeff, actually, when I started this process, too. And so uh, it, it's a really interesting process to kind of get to know the human behind the image, you know, with all their dimensions, you know, what makes them amazing, their human flaws, like all of us. I mean, it's it's an interesting process. But, you know, I, I feel like Matt and Francisco Garte, who, of course, is sort of his co-lead on the case, they're kind of like the yin-yang energy-wise and... Um, and personality wise. And so I think of Matt as this really kind of cool, cerebral genius who kind of like breaks everything down and um, and just has such a brilliant mind for sort of how do we just present a case in this like cool, rational way where it's not about the emotions, it's not about the politics, it's not about all these narratives, it's just about what are the facts, what are the evidence? And then you have Francisco who kind of like wears his heart on his sleeve and it's like so passionate about the immigration issues. And I think what I love about it is like, they're such a beautiful pairing. And I feel like it took both of them to really um, make this case happen in the way it did. And, and also to play a role in, you know, they're really active. It only comes out a little bit in the film because there's only so much space to do it, but they really worked hard to counter the narrative through the press that everyone's getting. So they wrote articles, you know, they made themselves available to the media in a way that if you notice in the film, we never see the DA, assistant DA Garcia, who's the prosecutor in front of the cameras. She never put herself out there. She put a spokesperson out there. Whereas Matt and Francisco were like always out there mm-hmm. talking to the press, presenting their case because they knew that they had to because so much of the rest of the media was against that. And so I think Matt's just such a brilliant um, person with strategy, having gone through that political right. grinder before. <laughs> and he says it in the film, like he just kind of understands, hey, when I'm this far out on the left, I'm used to having people kind of question what I'm doing, who I am, what my motives are. And I can stay cool with that. And I can stick with like what I believe in. And I can stick with the facts and the truth. And um, you know, he basically said, it's like, take it or leave it. You know, it's like, I'm going to give you what the facts are and I'm going to trust whether it's the voters or the jury to make their decision and we're not going to play games. And that's someone going back to kind of the earlier comment, I wish we had more people like him in the system that weren't about the political games, that aren't about false images or false narratives, but just 
kind of give it to you straight. And, and it's something that um, I think is something to be really admired, especially in a public defender um, taking on a case of such epic dimensions. Right. Well, thank you so much. We, we love this film. It's such an important film. It, it was just really nice to see Jeff Adachi in his element. Um, and, and we really appreciate you sitting down and talking with us. So again, we've been talking to the co-director, Chihiro Wimbush of the documentary Ricochet. Thank you so much. Thank you both for having me. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about us, you can head to bitchtalkpodcast.com. This podcast is created, hosted, and executive produced by Aaron Lim. My co-host is Angela Tabora, a.k.a. Captain Party. The show's edited by producer Shar. We're powered by GoTo Productions. <laughs>